What a great day. And we're already having a great service. Amen. We welcome all of our visitors today. I'm sure some of you are here today uh, who have come for the Believers Convention that starts tomorrow morning. And uh, we look forward to having that opportunity once again. I have been privileged to preach in every Believers Convention that Kenneth Copeland has ever sponsored. I'm not sure he can do one without me. No, he can, but I'm sure glad he doesn't even try. Praise God. Amen. Well, I've been looking forward to being with you today. This message that I'm going to share with you, it's been on my heart for quite some time. And I intended to share it during Fourth of July weekend, but I was not able to be here as I had been scheduled. So I, I prayed and I said, Lord, where do you, what direction you want me to go today? I had other things that I'd prepared, but the Lord said, share what you intended to share Fourth of July weekend. So that's what I'm going to do. I want to uh, encourage each and every one of you to turn off the media for a moment. Turn off everything you've heard from the media for a moment. You can go watch CNN after church if you want to. But right now, just forget all of that. There are a lot of people in our country today that are saying that America is doomed. I don't believe that. Now, if you want to be honest about it and you want to, you want to base a statement on the Word of God, the Bible says there will come a time when God will create a new heaven and a new earth. So every nation on the earth, you could say, is headed for doom. Because he's going to create a new earth and a new heaven. Amen. But he's not through with this nation yet. It's still the most powerful nation in the world. It's still the most influential nation in the world. And we should never forget that. Not only that, <clears throat> but God is in covenant with this nation. It's one of the few nations in the earth that recognizes Israel as God's chosen people. We've been in covenant with Israel for many, many years. And God's a covenant-keeping God. He honors covenant. Even though people don't, but God does. <clears throat> so I want to encourage you to listen to what God's Word says and then judge everything else you hear by what the Word of God says. Now, I agree that it appears that America is headed for disaster. There's a lot of trouble in our nation. I don't, I don't disagree with that. There's a lot of chaos in our nation. I don't disagree with that. It's all been prophesied from the Apostle Paul. Go with me first of all to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And notice... Paul begins in verse 1 with, This know also 
that in the last days perilous times shall come. The Amplified Bible refers to those perilous times as times of great trouble and great stress, hard to deal with and hard to bear. That describes what's going on not only in our nation, but it describes what's going on in the world right now. Carla Porter, who has been living in the nation of Kenya for the past 25, 30 years, and uh, she's been wanting and longing to get back. She has a great church there, great ministry there, orphanages and, and great work that she's doing. And uh, she was planning on leaving tomorrow, I believe, and headed back or Monday a week ago. But recently there's a lot of turmoil taking place in that nation. She had a lot of people coming from the U.S. joining her. And, and uh, when I heard about that, I, I thought, well, this may not be the best time for her to go uh, because it's dangerous there right now. Well, that describes nations all over the world. Amen. It's dangerous in our nation. There's some places in our nation that I used to go and felt very comfortable and safe that I wouldn't go to again for anything in the world. I remember times when I would be in South Africa in Johannesburg. First time Carol and I went back in 1981, I believe it was. We stayed right downtown Joburg. I walked the streets. It was safe. I wouldn't dare go to that same hotel today. We have ministry there. Some of our staff in the past, they've had carjackings, beatings uh, in the nation of Kenya. They, 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 they robbed uh, some of the staff as they were taking the offerings to the bank. You know, there's a lot of chaos going on. But notice Paul saw this in advance. He said, in the last days, we are indeed in the last days. We're not in the closing Days of the last days, but we're rapidly approaching that. Amen. And notice he said, there will be times of great trouble and great stress, hard to deal with and hard to bear, but not impossible, just hard. Does your neighbor say, yes, it's hard, but not impossible. Can you say amen? America that we live in today is not the same America you and I grew up in. If you're my age or somewhere thereabout. How many of you remember when you went to school, if you're my age, and the first thing you did was the Pledge of Allegiance and the Lord's Prayer? Take a look at this. This is... Did anybody see themselves in that video? (laughs) That was school in my day. There were some classes where the teachers even read Bible verses before they got into the the studies. And some, some classes that I was in, we had to memorize a verse in school, public school. And stand in front of the whole class and, 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 and. Repeat it. Not that way today. 
But that doesn't mean America is doomed. We got problems. It seems like it's on a road to disaster, but God still has plans for this nation. Even though it seems to have lost its sense of direction, spiritually and morally, sin and evil are running rampant, just as Paul talked about here. Continue reading in verse 2. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Does that sound like the America we live in today? Yes, it does. Sexual sin, self-indulgence, greed, pride have become a way of life for most people in America today. I've never seen in my lifetime so many people that are irreverent, ungrateful, unpatriotic as they are in our nation today. I'd like to send them all to some nations I go to and make them stay there for at least a year. They'd come back home and kiss the ground when they arrived back in America. A lot of these politicians that are trying to turn America into a socialist nation, they've never been to a socialist nation. Go sometime. See what it's like. You'll come back home thanking God that you're an American. Amen. Ungodliness is not only accepted, but it's celebrated today. Some religious leaders are asking, are we on our way to become a pagan nation? Our forefathers undoubtedly are rolling over in their grave, seeing what is taking place in our nation today. This is not the America that they envisioned. But it's still my nation. It's still your nation. And I happen to be one who prays for it. Yes. That's what the Bible tells me to do. Yes. Does God ignore the prayers of the righteous? No. <clears throat> the title of my sermon today, if you're looking for one. Is America doomed or will God honor the prayers of the righteous? Is America doomed or will God honor the prayers of the righteous? Amen. Even though there's a lot of darkness in our world today, I refuse to believe that God will allow this nation to be destroyed. In the midst of all this darkness, there is a light. I said, in the midst of all this darkness, there is a light. And light always dispels darkness. <clears throat> Jesus is not only the light, but he calls us light. Amen. And as long as we are still here, Satan cannot destroy this nation. Do you remember what Jesus said? In Matthew chapter 16, go there with me. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? They said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? 
And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And he's not saying he's going to build the church on Peter. The rock he's referring to is the rock of revelation knowledge. He said, I'm on this rock of revelation knowledge. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, is Jesus telling the truth or is he just filling in space? Well, he couldn't possibly not be telling the truth because he is the truth. Amen. It's impossible for him to lie. So what are we going to believe? CNN? Or are we going to believe Matthew chapter 16? Who are we going to believe? The politicians or Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords? I choose to believe Jesus. Upon this rock of revelation knowledge. There's more revelation knowledge in the earth today than there ever has been. Amen. I've been living on revelation knowledge for 54 years. And it's kept me in good stead. I'm a winner in life. And he said, I'm going to build my church on the rock of revelation knowledge and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Amplified Bible says, shall not overpower it. So either the words of Jesus are true or they're not. And I choose to believe that they are true. And regardless of how impossible it may look, they will be fulfilled. The gates of hell shall not prevail over the church of Jesus Christ. As long as we're still here, there's still hope. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. The message translation says, Every promise of God proves true. Every promise of God proves true. In other words, He will bring it to pass. He will not let it fall aside. I don't deny that our nation is in trouble. It is. But God isn't through with it yet. Our founding fathers sought God's counsel in the beginning and made a covenant with God. George Washington, our first president, was a praying man. He made a covenant with God about this nation. Let me read some excerpts from that prayer that he made. <clears throat> I now make it my earnest prayer that God would have, well, let me back up this. That's a, that's a prayer over the states after the union was formed. The first prayer was, Almighty Father, if it is thy will that we shall obtain a place, a name among the nations of the earth, grant that we may be enabled to show our gratitude for your goodness by our endeavors to fear and obey thee. Bless us with wisdom in our counsels, <clears throat> success in our battles. Let all our victories be tempered with humanity. Endow also our enemies with enlightened minds that they may become sensible of their injustice and willing to restore our liberty and peace. Grant the petition of thy servant 
for thy sake of him who thou hast called thy beloved son. That's the prayer of George Washington. And then this prayer over the states as the union was formed. I now make it my earnest prayer that God would have you and the state over which you preside in his holy protection. That he would incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of subordination and obedience to government. To entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another for their fellow citizens of the United States at large, and particularly for their brethren who have served in the field. And finally, that he would be most graciously pleased to dispose us all to do justice, to love mercy, and to demean ourselves with that charity, humility, and pacific temper of mind, which were the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion, and without a humble imitation, limitation of those in example in these things. We shall never hope to be a happy nation if we are not doing these things. That's the prayer of George Washington. Even though a lot of people don't know that, God knows it. Because he was praying to the creator of the universe. The forming of the Constitution. Many of these men were Christian men. When they established schools, most of them were created in churches. Ministers presided over them. Do you think God has forgotten all that? Do you think God has forgotten those solemn prayers? Even though we may not find as many politicians praying men today... God honors the prayers of our forefathers and he will continue to honor them. Somebody say amen. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. People who are called by my name. The people he's referring to are people who have chosen to accept his invitation, to place their trust in him, to live for him. And they have made a solemn commitment to live according to his laws and his statutes. Not every person who calls himself a Christian is following that. It's hard to go anywhere in the South where if you ask, are you a believer? That people say no. Everybody in the South is a Christian. They think. Because they went to church one time. Or because their mom and dad were Christians. Most of the country Western singers today all grew up in church. Amen. And probably most of the rockers did too. And if you ask some of them, I, I, I'm amazed. You know, I'm, I'm still a boxing enthusiast and I saw a fight last night. It's amazing to me. They can cuss. They can, they can, they can say horrible things about their opponent. 
And then at the end of the fight, if they want, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? One of the heavyweight champions of the world claims to be a Christian, but he's got the foulest mouth anybody have ever heard. So when he's talking about if my people, I don't think that means every person who has ever called himself a Christian. I think it's a select group of people. If my people who have answered the invitation to trust in him with all their heart, And they have made a commitment to live by the laws and the statutes of his word, found in his word. And have made a commitment to live for him all the days of their life. Have turned their backs on sin. If my people, if that people pray, then God says, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. You know, I've discovered in the word of God that God and one is a majority. God in one is a majority. He doesn't look for an entire denomination. If one person in that denomination is a praying person, he'll respond to their prayer. Every major move of God that has taken place in the earth did not take place primarily because a whole group of Christians prayed. Many times it's because one person prayed. It wasn't because the whole Christian people in Wales prayed that the Welsh revival broke out. One man in particular. He said, God, I'm not leaving this place until you move on my nation. And he prayed and God responded to one man's prayer and the revival spread. Amen. Amen. Listen to what the book of Ezekiel says. Ezekiel twenty two thirty, And I sought for a man among them that should make up a hedge and stand in the gap before me that I should not destroy it. But I found none. God says, if I can just find one person that will stand in the gap, build up a hedge, then I will respond to that person's prayer. Is there anybody in here that are praying for our nation today? Would you lift your hand, please? Look around at all the hands. Do you think God's ignoring their prayers? Is our God saying it's too late? You should have been praying a long time ago. It's never too late. One, I sought for a man. Notice it didn't say, I sought for an entire denomination. I sought for a man. Go with me to Genesis chapter 18. God honors the prayers of the righteous. Genesis 18 God is on the verge of destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 20 says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether 
they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Now, the Bible says that God accounted Abraham as righteous because he believed him. And Abraham drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. See, this is a covenant man. A covenant man. And he feels he has the right to talk to God in this manner because it was God who established covenant with him. Peradventure, there shall lack, verse 28, five of the 50 righteous, 45 in other words. Will thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, if I find there 40 and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, peradventure, there shall be 40 found there. And he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. And he said unto him, oh, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak peradventure. There shall 30 be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30. And he said, behold, now I've taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. And he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet, but this once, peradventure, 10 shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. He would not destroy it if he could find 10. Apparently, Abraham assumed, surely there are 10 righteous. And that's why he stopped. He could have gone on and said, if you find one righteous, will you not destroy it? I believe God would have said, I will not destroy it for one righteous sake. But he assumed, surely he can find 10 righteous people. So he stopped there. The Bible says that he who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, was made to be sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Let me see the hands of all the righteous in this place. If God wouldn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, if he could find only 10 righteous, do you suppose he's going to destroy the United States of America? When there are multitudes of righteous people that are praying day in and day out. In fact, revival is taking place in America again right now. Revival is taking place again in America right now. Watch this little clip.
that's, that's just a few that I had time to get before making this presentation to you today. I have several more here that I wasn't able to get to them in time. But let me just read some of the captions. Eighty thousand people praising the name Yeshua. Yeshua. The church in California is alive and not dead. Worshiping Christ in the middle of downtown Chicago. New York City for Jesus. Thousands of people are marching in the streets of Seattle, praising God. Radicals for Jesus in Los Angeles. Last Sunday, there were 4,166 people baptized at Pirates, Pirates Cove in California on the, on the Gulf Coast, uh, on the uh, Pacific Coast. Over 280 churches were represented and 8,000 people in attendance for the baptismal service. A, revela- a, a revolution of uh, a youth conference involved in a youth revolution. Just some of the things that are happening in America today that CNN forgot to show you. Amen. The main media is not reporting it, but it's happening. I said it's happening. And this is just the beginning. Praise God. In fact, I dug up from my way back files a prophecy and a vision of Kenneth Hagin regarding the last days. All the gifts of the Spirit will be in operation in the last days and the church will do greater things than ever before. Great power, signs and wonders, just like written in the book of Acts, done by the apostles. More and more miracles will be performed in the last days for the gifts of the Spirit and the gift For the gift of the working of miracles will be in more prominence. We have now entered into the era of the miraculous. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I'm giving, I'm, I'm speaking and giving America her last warning and called to repentance. Warn this generation, as did Noah, that judgment will fall. For I am coming soon, he said. This is the last revival, and I am preparing my people for my coming. Judgment is coming, but I will call my people away even unto myself before the worst shall come. Be thou faithful. Watch and pray were the concluding remarks. For the time of the end of all things is at hand. So notice in the last days, there will be more signs and wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. Well, 
we're in the closing hours of the last days. And it's happening all over the world. You can ask Joe, you can ask Eric, everywhere we've gone over the last few months. There's a greater anointing happening. A greater manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit are taking place. Hallelujah. I'm not done yet. God's not done yet. You're not done yet. And this nation is not done yet. Somebody give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. There are approximately 332 million people in America today. Around 64% of all Americans profess to be Christians. 50 years ago, that number was nearly 90%. So there has been a decline. I'm not ignoring that. I'm not denying that. There has been a decline. Although the number has dropped drastically, the majority still call themselves Christians. 64%. We're the majority. Why are we allowing a few dictate our future? Will God let us down? Will he not honor his promises? James chapter 5 verse 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Amplified Bible says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And we are that righteous people. And our prayers do avail much. Go with me to Matthew chapter 18. I'm on my patriotic soapbox today. I served for this country. I didn't have to go into combat, but I served during the time of the Vietnam War. My father served in World War II. Carolyn's dad served in World War II. My grandfather served in World War I. I come from a patriotic family. And I'm not going to forget the sacrifices they made. I had dear friends, close friends that I went to high school with that died in Vietnam. I'm not going to let their legacy die. Amen. Amen. I'm still, I still cross my heart for the flag and bow my knee for the cross. And I will continue to do so. No matter what the media says, no matter what some politicians say, no matter how corrupt some people may be. I'm trusting God. I'm believing his word. Hallelujah. Matthew 18, you're all familiar with it. Verse 18, verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. When's the last time you bound anything in earth? No, some people think whatever you put up with in earth, uh, they'll put up with in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, we have the authority to bind. When did we stop binding and just tolerating? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. 
Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. These are the words of the master. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree. Oh, if only two will agree. If only two will agree. Pastor Phil, would you agree with me? Yes, sir. Oh, praise God. We got it done. Would you agree with me that there is going to be a mighty, mighty move of God in this nation before the end? Would you agree with me that there will be a mighty, mighty move of God like this nation has ever seen before the end? Would you agree with me? 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 We got her done. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout. We got a whole church full in here that would agree. But then let's not forget the binding part. As Christians, we're not to sit around and say, oh, how bad it is. I wish there was something we could do. We do have something we can do. We can bind what needs to be bound. We can loose what needs to be loosed. We can agree. And Jesus said, notice the rest of it. Whatever you, two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father in heaven. It shall be done. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. I learned from Oral Roberts many years ago. He said, just turn that around and read it this way. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, the I am is in their midst. The I am is in their midst. This is the I am that split the Red Sea. This is the Red Sea. Uh, This is the I am that performed all the miracles of the Old Testament. The I am that performed all the miracles in the New Testament. The I am that performed all the miracles in the book of Acts. The I am that's living in you and me. Hallelujah. That's his solemn oath to us. I'm not going to sit back and allow Satan to destroy my nation. And besides that, he doesn't have the power to do it. I will build my church and upon this rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail, shall not overpower it. Satan would love nothing more than to convince God's people that it's a waste of time to pray. It's too late. No, it's not too late. He's a master deceiver and deception causes people that will accept it to become complacent. Just give up. But not in this house. Your pastor Justin has declared it to be a house of prayer. He's a praying man. There are prayer meetings going on here every week. We're not playing church here. We're doing kingdom business. Hallelujah. And God is watching. <clears throat> and God is listening. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I read the back of the book, We Win. 
Do we actually have any idea how many of God's people are earnestly praying for our nation right now? We have no idea. Multitudes. And I can assure you there are more than two. So will God ignore their prayers? Will he ignore the prayers of the righteous? Will God ignore his promises? I don't think so. I read a a prophetic word that was given not too long ago by a man that I trust in his ability to hear the, the voice of God. And he said, no, the end is not yet. No, America is not doomed. No judgment has not come as of yet. There's more to happen. There's more work to be done. Signs and wonders shall become more prevalent in the last days and more shall come into the knowledge of the truth. So let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Even though your nation has seemed to be cut down to the roots, yet the work of God shall be consummated and brought to completion. Hallelujah. So God is not done yet. Look at your neighbor and say, God is not done yet. Amen. God is not done yet. In a study conducted by two Bible scholars, they found a pattern. And that pattern was this. Following a period of spiritual decline, God always has someone to step up and tell the people of their failure to live according to God's word. Others will see and acknowledge their complacency. Others will see and acknowledge their complacency and begin to turn their hearts back toward God and start to pray earnestly for revival. And God always hears their petition and answers the cry of their heart. Notice, following a period of spiritual decline, our nation has been in spiritual decline, in moral decline. Well, there's a pattern in the Bible. God's a God of patterns. That's why things are happening all over our nation right now. That's just a few slides that I'm showing you. This kind of thing is happening all over America. And once again, if you've allowed the, 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 the media to dictate and form your ideas and opinions, then you would not know that's going on. All you would hear was, you know, all the crud and the junk. And there's a lot of it taking place. But people are praying. God is moving. He always moves. Amen. Let me, let me share this with you. The Bible says in Psalm 35, 6, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? That's the prayer we need to pray. God, will you not revive your people again that we may rejoice in you? Write that down. Begin praying that. Psalm 35, 6. God, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in thee? The prayer of the prophet Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, however you want to pronounce it, is found in Habakkuk, Habakkuk 3, verse 2. O Lord, revive thy works in the midst of the years. Make known thy mercy. The Amplified says, make yourself known in our midst. 
Make yourself known. The word revival has many definitions. Let me read a few of them for you. It's God visiting his people and quickening their hearts and deepening his work of grace in their lives. Number two, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in restoring the people of God to a more vital spiritual life. Number three, a time when believers remember and embrace the call of God and gain once again compassion for the lost. Other notable terms are renewal, awakening, and a movement or a revolution. All have to do with a fresh stirring of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's people, causing them to become evangelistic-minded. And that's been happening in America since the early 1700s. Let me just read a few. A series of revivals spread throughout the colonial America just prior to the American Revolution. It was known as the Great Awakening. And many came to Christ as a result. The second great awakening began approximately 50 years later. Methodists and Baptists took the lead and spread Christianity throughout frontier America. By the time of the Civil War, more than 19,000 Methodist churches were established, making them the largest Protestant denomination in the nation. It sparked a number of social reforms and led to the creation of other movements, such as the Holiness Movement. In 1857, a lay missionary began hosting a lunch hour prayer meeting in New York City with only six men present. By the next year, 10,000 men were praying daily. It spread across the country from 1857 to 1858 and an estimated one million believers were added to the church. The Azusa Street Revival began on April the 9th, 1906, and continued unto 1915. Multitudes were impacted, and it even led to the formation of the Assemblies of God, which eventually became the largest uh, Pentecostal group. In the late 1960s, multitudes of American youth were captivated about what became known as the Jesus Movement. They recently produced a movie about that Jesus Movement, Jesus Revolution. I was privileged to be a part of that. I was there when it took place. I'm not in the movie, but I was there. In fact, I have a picture of me there in Pismo Beach. That's me, the little one on the left. Uh, That's me. Uh, Go back to that first picture. That man on the right was a former drug addict and drug dealer. 140,000 people showed up at Pismo Beach. And we led thousands of them to the Lord and baptized thousands of them in the Pacific Ocean. We went back. We spent, uh, I spent 14 days there. And on the way back to L.A., when I got ready to fly back to Shreveport, where I was living at the time, an hour out of L.A., we stopped at a service station to the gentleman that I was working with, Dave Malkin, stopped to fill his car up with gas. That's back when people put the gas in the car for you and cleaned the windshield. And after he cleaned the windshield, he said, hey, 
Have you heard what's happening at Bismo Beach? Bismo Beach was two hours away. The word had spread an hour from L.A. People were coming to Christ left and right. And I took what I learned there and brought it back to Shreveport, Louisiana and hit the streets of my city and revival happened everywhere I took young people to do what I had learned to do there at Pismo Beach. <laughs> some, some, of the, some of the churches that are in Shreveport and vicinity today came out of that movement. One of, the, one of the cowboy churches there in Shreveport, he was a former drug addict. They brought him to my house. He was so stoned on acid, he didn't even know where he was. They stood him in front of me. I cast the devil out of him. And the Spirit of God picked him up and slammed him into the corner of my living room. He slid down in the floor, got up, speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. And today he pastors a cowboy church right outside the city limits of Shreveport, Louisiana. In Florida, when I came to work with Brother Copeland, I wasn't preaching with him in those, that first year. But I'd get so full, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't contain it. And between services, I'd hit the streets, wherever we were. I'd hit the streets, witnessing. And in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, between services, I won over 150, 000, over 150 people to Christ and brought them into the meeting, you know, individually, brought them into the meeting where they could hear the word and Brother Copeland lead them in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere I went, that's what I did. And people responded. People responded. I, I followed two hobos, as we would call them, to a boxcar in, in Omaha, Nebraska. And they, they threatened me, said, leave me alone. I said, no. God led me to, to talk to you about Jesus. You need Jesus. We don't want to hear it. I kept following them. They got up in the boxcar. I climbed up in there with them. He pulled a pistol on me. He said, I'm going to shoot you if you don't shut up. I said, you do me a favor. I'll go to heaven. Where are you going? He put the pistol down, prayed the sinner's prayer with me, brought him to the meeting that day. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. I met him again six months later in Cincinnati, Ohio. I didn't know it was him. And he walked up to me. I was out in the streets of Cincinnati witnessing to people. And he walked up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you remember me? I said, well, your face is familiar. Where do I know you from? He said, I'm the guy in the boxcar in Omaha, Nebraska. You led to the Lord. He said, can I join you? I said, sure. And he began leading people to the Lord. Praise God. Now, that's what I did the first year I worked with Brother Copeland. I was not preaching with him. But I spent every morning after service and every afternoon after service in the streets witnessing and ministering to people. And then when he began having me teach the morning services, then uh, I, afterwards I would train others to go to the streets and, and, and win people to Christ. Now you would think that ended in the 60s and early 70s. Well, it did seem to, you know, fizzle out, so to speak, for a season, but it's back. Yes. Do you see what was happening in the ocean? In the Pacific Ocean, it's just like every time I see that, I, I can't hold back the tears because it reminds me of what I experienced 
in Pismo Beach in 1970. Jerry took Carol and I to the Jesus Revolution movie. I cried all the way through it because it brought me back to that time. And here it is. We're coming full circle. And it's happening again. Hallelujah. It's happening again. Don't give up on Fort Worth. Don't give up on Crowley. Don't give up on Burleson. Don't give up on any city in this United States of America. God is not done yet. Come on, give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Amen. America is due for another great awakening. Say that with me. America is due for another great awakening. Never doubt that possibility. Now we sing this morning about all things are possible with God. Do we really believe that? Or are we just singing songs? There was a line in one of the songs where it says, will you not revive us again? Revive us again. Are we just singing songs or are we actually meaning what we sing? America is due for another great awakening. The prophet Joel said this, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The Chariots of Light motorcycle ministry we started 25 years ago. They're in Sturgis right now at the largest secular motorcycle rally in the nation, perhaps in the world. They've had as many as 750,000 bikers show up for Sturgis bike rally. Every year we send a team there. They're there now. Kenny's on his way tomorrow? Next Friday. Kenny always goes up and part of the, part of the team there. Some of them are already gone on their way up there. They come back with a report of at least five to 6,000 conversions. First time conversions. Be praying for them this coming week. While we're having Believers Convention, they'll be in Sturgis. Ministering to people that you'd be afraid to walk up next and stand next to. I took Terry, my daughter Terry, one time to Bike Week in Daytona. Now, Terry is a girly girl. And I don't know what I had to pay her to get her to go with me. But anyway, <laughs> she hated it. I, 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 I patted her on the leg when she was riding behind me. I said, Terry, isn't this great? She said, yes, daddy. <laughs> Lied like a, like a dog. She hated it. I thought, well, I'll buy her a pink leather motorcycle jacket. She loves pink. That didn't help either. And we're walking down the streets in Daytona, thousands of secular men and women, many of whom don't know Christ. And in the crowd, there was this guy. I mean, he was a giant. You could see from here up above everybody else. And he come walking towards great big long beard and, you know, heavy set guy. He come walking towards Terry grabbed my, my arm and said, daddy, like I could do something. <laughs> She's always thought I was the strongest daddy ever. You know, 
I want to say, you're on your own now, girl. <laughs> Daddy. And he looked at Terry. And when he got right in front of us, he had, he had on his, the front of his T-shirt, I beat anorexia. anorexia. <laughs> and on the back of his shirt, he says, caution does not play well with others. <laughs> Daddy. There's some wild people, some weird people. One walking down the, the, the sidewalk with a python around his neck. Wild. And that's what our guys are ministering to next week. And they'll come back with a report of no less than 5,000 converts. Don't tell me God is dead in America. Don't tell me Christianity is dead in America. Yes, there has been a decline, but God's not done yet. Somebody give the Lord a good shout again. Amen. <laughs> multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah.